thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, if you're new to Radiant, we're glad that you're here. Hey, Radiant, let's give everybody's here for the first time a big hand. Welcome to Radiant. So glad you're here. And so uh, you should have received one of these connection cards. And if you are new, uh, we would love for you to fill this out. Um, And it it gives us an opportunity to be in touch with you. And so we'll shoot you an email this week and help you take a step, get connected and oriented into Radiant Church. And uh, if you would love to, um, to be in touch with us, we would love to be in touch with you. In addition... We have a prayer meeting that meets uh, every Wednesday night, and on there, on here, you can write your prayer requests, and uh, we will pray over those um, on Wednesday nights, and so whatever journey uh, you're on, and uh, if you're needing prayer, we would love to pray for you, and so make sure to fill that out, and then uh, drop it in the white offering buckets that will come by at the end of service. Um, All right. That was fun. Hey, uh, so much going on. Let's just, can we just, uh, just a big hand for Thomas. Thomas, thank you for telling us your story. It was beautiful. It was amazing. I just love that. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful for all of the stories that I'm hearing about so many great small groups that have started. And so that is, uh, is getting deeper and stronger. And I'm really, really excited about all of you that uh, have taken a step to jump in in a small group. And uh, so that's beautiful. Also, I want to give you an update. Um, next Sunday, uh, uh, Andy Bird is going to be with us speaking. And so that'll be great. And so I know that uh, uh, many of you are familiar with Andy. Um, Andy is a phenomenal uh, missionary as well as uh, mobilizer for missions and one of, my, one of my dear friends. And he has lived it. He's about my age, uh, but he has traveled the world uh, mobilizing young people to be a part of missions and He's just uh, a phenomenal uh, Bible teacher as well, and I really enjoy him. So uh, that's going to be next week. Make sure and be here. It's going to be a week that uh, you won't want to miss. And um, also, let's go. Uh, if you've got your, your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open to two places today, um, because I was, as I was listening to Thomas's story, and in it, he talked about prior to coming to Jesus, he was filled with anxiety. And for me, as I talk with people and listen to kind of the Kind of the pain in the culture, that idea of fear, worry, and anxiety plagues uh, so many. I think it's one of the things that uh, is good to address because there's so much peace and life that comes from Jesus. And so my hope is today to just take one Sunday and just talk about this current status of anxiety and worry that is so prevalent in our culture and talk about how the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the one that brings peace. He's the peace bringer. He's the peace giver. He's the fear fighter. And so uh, I want to go after that today. So we got two places. Famous text. Uh, let's go Mark 4, and then you could put your finger in another spot in John 14. Let me read it, and then we'll pray, and then we'll go after it. But I want to talk about Jesus bringing you peace in the midst of whatever storm that you're in. Here we go. It says this, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall or storm came up and the waves broke over the boat 
so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? It's often the phrase of so many toward God. I'm in pain. I'm afraid. Don't you care? And Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Why so much worry? Why so much fear? It's probably a question that he would ask you today. Why so much worry? Why so much fear? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's a question he's asking. And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Famous story. I want to highlight that one, but there's also just this phrase that Jesus says in John 14 when he's talking with his disciples, and I think he would say it to you and me today. It's a great phrase where he says in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. Here's the phrase, my peace. So Jesus had peace in the storm. Jesus looks at the disciples and says, my peace, my peace. And here's the phrase, I give you. Just picture like a gift. I give you peace. My peace, not theoretical, not peace from another place, but the very peace that exists, the second person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ, he says to his disciples, my peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Oh, I'd call that a little false peace. Right? What the world gives. A little false assurance. I don't give like the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So I'm going to name this sermon after that lyric that Katie just sang. I have peace that makes no sense. We're going to call this peace that makes no sense. Father, we love you. And Jesus, we need your peace in the midst of a season in our culture and really in the globe where it's so tempting to live with perpetual fear and worry. And I ask, Lord, for those who are in the room today or online, God, I ask that you would supernaturally give the peace that comes from God, the peace that makes no sense, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And we ask, Lord God, that you would help us to live as followers of Jesus, with the peace of Jesus in chaotic times. We pray, Lord, that we would have a constancy, that we would have a consistent hope, that storms would not knock us over. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would do it. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think every single one of us could look at some reason in the world to lose our peace. Some people will talk about inflation, maybe moral decline, jobs, health, relationships, trials within the family. Any single one of us sitting here today could probably name the thing that you're tempted to have the most worry about. And in the same way that Jesus looked at his disciples and said, are you still afraid? It's, it's formed as a question. And I think all of us could say, I am tempted to have worry or fear or anxiety about this instead of having the peace that comes from Jesus. One of the great things in Mark 4 is the way that this circumstance erupts and you have two different perspectives. You have the disciples that have fear and anxiety and you have Jesus who sleeps in the storm and has peace. 
Meaning, you can have two different people experience the same circumstance and respond in different ways. Many of us, when we defend the reason why we have fear and worry, we will say, you have not experienced what I have experienced. You don't know what I'm walking through. You don't know the pain that I'm in. You don't know the reason why I'm justified to have worry. But it is possible for you to have the peace of Jesus, the peace that comes from Jesus in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the pressure, in the midst of the trial or the storm. In the same way that, I don't know if you remember those 3D pictures where someone would say, do you see inside the way that it jumps out? I was always the kid that stood at the 3D picture when I was little and looked at it and said, no. And then they would say, no, just look. Let your eyes kind of get like cross-eyed. And I was like, still don't see it. Still don't see it. And then all the other kids, 15 kids in the class, 14, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, totally see it, totally see it. And I just remember being like, Huh, is this a joke? I can't see it. Same picture, two different views. And here in the midst of the storm, Jesus has peace. Disciples have fear. So I want to invite us today to know that the peace that Jesus gives, no matter the circumstance, no matter the pain, no matter what you're walking through, is available. I think when I look at many people, they have false peace. So they, they cling on to something other than Jesus. So Jesus says, John 14, my peace I give you. And they say, I'm not going to choose the peace that comes from Jesus, but I will put my hope in something else. I will find peace in the government. I will find peace in my hobby. I'll find peace in the way that I look. I will find a substitute peace which always ends up as false peace. But for a short season, it can look like it's delivering peace. It's, it's helping me be calm in the midst of the chaos. Maybe I, maybe I find peace by just binging on Netflix, or I find peace in, in overeating, or I find peace in undereating, and everybody's saying, wow, don't you look good today? You know, like, I'll find my way of forming peace. When my um, kids were little, uh, my daughter, Olivia, one day after uh, church, she came out into the area where I was having conversation and she was probably two or three years old and she just hugged, she hugged the leg of the guy I was talking to. So little tiny kid. And of course she's thinking she's hugging my leg and she's used to knowing which leg is mine because usually dad's talking to a man far bigger than him. Right. But this time I happen to be talking to a rather a man, my size. And, and, and so Olivia comes out and she hugs the wrong leg. So think about it for a moment where a little toddler is hugging the, the leg of her father. And for a moment, there's peace. For a moment, this is, this is good. This is the guy that's going to help me, protect me, and buy me some chocolate today. Uh, right? Until the moment where she looks up and realizes she's hugging the wrong father. Right? And that's what happens to us. For a moment, it feels like this, is, this helps. This is good. This, this helps me in the midst of this trial. So I will give myself 
And I will I'll figure out a way to make sure that I have a whole bunch of wealth. Or I'll figure out a way to make sure that I have a whole bunch of insurance. Or I'll figure out a way to make sure you, you fill in the blank on what you do. And yet the wisest ones are the ones that say, no, my peace I receive from Christ. So the peace of Jesus is available. You might be going through the most difficult crisis. You might be going through something that you're tempted to say nobody else could possibly understand. Yet what's available to you, just like to me, just like to any of us today, is the peace that makes no sense. Did you catch that lyric? I can't sing it like the band can, but I have peace that makes no sense. I want you to have peace that makes no sense. Most of us, um, we will have a peace as long as we can understand that everything is right. As long as I've got everything right in my world, then I will have peace. And if I can fix the storm and if I can fix the circumstance, and one of the reasons why we really think we're good at that now is because we have the internet, we're intelligent, and we have some wealth. And so we're like, I can fix almost anything. And yet, you can travel to some of the most poor places in the world where, I mean, the economy is messed up, the government's corrupt, the people are broke, and the Christians gather together and worship and sing and declare who Jesus is, and they go back into the midst of poverty like you've never experienced, but they have peace like we haven't experienced either. Oh, to have that. Oh, in the midst of whatever you're walking through to be able to say, I have peace that makes no sense because it's peace that comes from Jesus. And you look at Jesus and even the level of pain he was about to embrace to go to the cross and for him to have peace before torture, you can have peace that comes from Christ. How do we get it? I'm too, I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. Listen, Jesus told his disciples to learn from him. Matthew 11, let me read this text. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. That's us. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's what I want to do today. Learn from me. And for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find, you will, here's the, here's the hope, here's the promise. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Couple thoughts. Number one, Jesus, ex Jesus expected hardship and not the easy life. Jesus expected hardship. I think that you and I expect the good life. We expect it. Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have told you these things to his disciples so that in me you may have peace. Oh, he's talking about it again. I give you peace and you find your peace in me. I've told you things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Oh, come on, G. Trouble? Yeah, that's what Jesus, that's, that was his worldview. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Listen, as long as you have the worldview that says, in this world I will have pleasure. In this world I will have fun, fun, fun till the day. I mean, something. It's going to be good for me. As long as we have that, then when you face trials, when you face pain, when you face temptation, when you face people wanting something from you, when you face downturn, the, the, it's always possible for us to live with 
frustration, anger. But if you have a view that says, in this world, you will have trouble. There is, there is going to be hardship. Now, I think that some, in some seasons, there'll be struggles that rise and fall. More, sometimes less. And I think praying and asking God for the removal of struggle is biblical and great. And having the knowledge that there will be a day where every tear will be wiped away, but this isn't heaven yet. And so in this world, in this season, you will have trouble. And so what do we do? Most of us spend a high majority of our time trying to either pray to remove the struggle or trying to remove it ourselves. And here's what I want to invite you to. Knowing that in this world you will have trouble, I want to invite you to shift your focus from just remove the struggle to God, increase my strength. God, increase my strength. Psalm 40, or Isaiah 40. Those who wait on the Lord, he'll renew their strength. So in the, it, with the knowledge base that I will face trials, trouble, struggle, I'm going to focus in on, yeah, of course we continue to pray, God, remove the pain, remove the struggle, God. Help. But in addition, God, help me get stronger. So I'm dependent on God's strength. God does not promise you lack of pressure. He promised you peace in the midst of pressure, in the middle of your pressure, in the middle of the challenges. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So it's not your strength, it's God's strength that he gives to you. So in the midst of pouring out your heart to God, like we've talked about multiple weeks in a row, you say, now God, give me your strength, strength that only comes from God. So that as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as I walk through this pain, as I walk through this, I can trust in you. One of my favorite stories is the story of David, where David is in the midst of trials in Ziklag, and it says that his own men picked up stones to kill him. They were, they were thinking of stoning him. And in 1 Samuel 30, it says, but David found strength in God. In the middle of the moment where he's in the Philistine camp, Israelites want to kill him. His own men want to kill him. Nobody's with them. And finally, he goes to God and he says, David found strength in his God. So instead of trying to think that every, my whole life is trying to get rid of all of the struggles and the trials and the pain so that I won't have to worry, we recognize, know in the midst of what I'm, whatever I'm going through, I'm going to walk with God's strength instead of my own. So Isaiah 40, when it says, even the youth, even, even the young men grow faint. So even Gen Z, even Gen Z. And, and when I was reading this, I was just thinking about the idea that um, this whole idea, you know, that we read in Isaiah is that young people are usually strong ones with lots of energy. Oh, what we need in the next generation that right now they're saying we're filled with anxiety. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm believing God that God would work supernaturally where we would see a generation of young people, my kids' age, that live in the strength of God. And it could be, it could just be that the very generation that right now is saying we're overwhelmed, we're filled with anxiety. It's what Thomas said in the video. I just, I had so much anxiety. And it, there are millions of other Thomases out there. They're just flooded with it. 
that God would do something supernatural in them and that they would become a generation for that, that finds strength in God alone. Another idea is this. Jesus lived from the Father's pleasure and not people's pressure. Jesus lived from the Father's pleasure, not people's pressure. Famous text, Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, there it is again. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I have peace that makes no sense, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we're often anxious about everything and we pray about nothing. Or we're anxious about everything and we post about everything. Or we're anxious about everything and we talk about everything. But we're often anxious about everything and pray about nothing. And when you live in a culture that's constantly putting pressure on you, this is the norm. Every commercial, you need this medicine. Do you lack energy? You need this medicine. Do you, are, are, are you afraid of something? Yes, I am. Buy this insurance. Are you, are you worried about your future as you get older? Yes, I am. Now that you mention it, I probably have. Yep, I probably have. Do you feel like you're not attractive? Yes, I do. Buy this cream. Eat this. You know, like, ah. The culture that is funded off of your anxiety. It's all around us. So it's normal for us to become that way. And if we are not rooted, connected, taking these things to God, we will have an abundance of anxiety. And in this text in Philippians 4, if you see a God that delights in you and enjoys you, you will run to him. It's hard to run to the Father, run to be with God and take everything to God in prayer if you mostly see a false view of God. But that, I love to talk about the Matthew 3 baptism moment of the, where, where it's the, it's, they call it the Trinitarian moments, the moment where we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father audibly speaks from heaven, the baptism of the Son, the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus like a dove. And in that moment, how you hear the voice of the Father is significant. And if you hear God as annoyed, barely there, absent, if you hear God as the delighted Father that can't help but erupt with delight from over his Son, if you hear the Father says, this is my Son whom I love, well, so that's my boy. I delight in you. Ha <laughs> ha! I mean, human history backwards, human history forward. God delights, speaks audibly about his son out of an overflow of delight. And when you see that you have a father, John 59, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you, that delights in you, loves you, enjoys you, then you'll be the one that says, I can bring this worry, this anxiety to God over and over again because he delights in me and I actually want that. I actually want to spend time with him. If you have a false view of God, if you have a view where he's mostly irritated and angry, if you have a, a view that he's barely there, if you have a view that he doesn't really hear, if you have a view that he actually wants what's worse for you, if you have a view that he actually is, is mean, you won't run to him over and over again. But Jesus sets the example. Jesus is always trying to get along with his father. He likes being with the one who leaned over the balcony of heaven and said, that's my boy. He liked being with him. So there's constantly pressure from people on Jesus, and Jesus is consistently trying to get along with his father. Matthew 5. Sorry, Luke 5 says this. Yet the news about him, Jesus, spread all over, so that the crowds of people came to hear him, and he healed, and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He wanted to go get along with his father. Hey, we want this from you? People's pressure? 
Hey, we want this from you. Jesus got alone with his father to pray. Another time in John 6, we have a story where they wanted to make him king by force. They wanted something from him. The pressure of people. There's always going to be the pressure of people. You'll have fear and anxiety when you're on the front burner is the pressure from people. Back burner is the delight of the father over you. If you live with the delight of the father over you on the front burner and push the pressure that comes from people to the back burner, you'll find yourself having less anxiety. John 6, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is a prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Oh, they were going to put pressure? Let me go back to being with my father. If you see a father, you, it's easier to run to the father and be with him and cast your cares on him because he cares for you when you see a father that delights, enjoys, loves you. And that's the way that Jesus was. And when you're trying to please people, the pressure of people, Jesus ran from the pressure of the people. He didn't allow, hey, we want to make you king by force. No, no, no. I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm living from my father's pleasure. I, I've got this the moment at the baptism where he delights in me. It's going to happen again, Matthew 17, the transfiguration. Jesus knows his father's delight, so the pressure of the people doesn't move him. And I want to invite you to think, what would your life look like if, if, if more choices that you make are built on an overflow of experiencing the father's pleasure instead of trying to quiet the pressures of people? And if you do that, there's always going to be more people that are bugged by you. You living from that because you're not going to give them what they want. And I want to invite you to make hard decisions in your life. Convictions. And it's just personal. It doesn't have to do with the culture. It doesn't have to do that this is how everybody should live. But it's for you. So that you can fulfill the thing that you experience God's smile. So God's called me to run with Radiant Church. This is right here on Sundays. A part of what I do is pray and preach and lead people and serve. So one of the convictions that I have is I do not go party and hang out on Saturday night. Like you haven't seen me on Saturday night down at the plaza. What's up? No, no. Since we started the church six years ago today, I mean, Saturday night, I don't go anywhere. I'm, I'm focused. I'm locked in. And it turns out there's a lot of fun things that happen on Saturday night. Turns out there's a lot of parties, a lot of cool opportunities, a lot, of, a lot of entertainment, a lot of concerts, a lot of restaurants, a lot of sporting events, a lot of things happen on Saturday night, but I missed all of them. Why? Man, because I got to be ready to go today, right here, right now. Now, some people say, wow, that sounds like you've been missing out. No, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not missing out. No, I, 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 I feel the Lord's smile when I get to pray and lead this church and preach and be with you. This is what God's called me to do. I have more pleasure in that than, than, than some concert, right? But people will, that, that bugs some people, but, but it's a pre-decision decision. I want to invite you to have some of those. We're not a night. We, we do this with parenting. We, we made one when our kids were little. We don't do, I'm just telling you some examples. Because if you'll make these decisions in your own life, that it's the pleasure from the father. And then you make that decision. You'll be surprised how those personal things that you develop you will experience God's smile even though people will put pressure on you and you hold fast and you'll have less anxiety in your life. Less worry. I mean, when we had kids, Renata and I made a decision. We're not gonna let our kids sleep over at other people's houses, period. 
Like I go back in my life and the number one place that I saw immorality was sleepovers. Number one time where I saw selfishness, godlessness, sleepovers. I had a great family, great house, but man, the moment I went to other people's house, woo I saw immorality, drunkenness. I, saw, I, I mean, the things that I saw and experienced was extreme. So I just prayed with Renata. We said, hey, we will give our children sugar, but we will not let them sleep over at other people's house, right? Like there's, and, and, and nobody, and other people don't like that. Well, who do you think you are? And my kid's not good enough. And, da, 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 da. and we've lived in two different states and had the same thing. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And we have people in Colorado. Well, who do you think you are? La, 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 la. My house not good enough. Oh, and people get mad. It's okay. It's okay. I embrace it. I got it. You know why? Because mm. I have less anxiety. <laughs> I got a decision I have made. And I'm just telling you, I, 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 and I think one of the things, if you'll make some of those that are culturally different, no doubt about it, and people, but you, you'll start to, you'll, you'll get along with God and you'll just, you'll have a little less worry and anxiety. You'll be with him and you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised how much you actually feel his pleasure, his smile. And the pressure of people will, will hold less on you. It just, it, it, it won't move you, but you got you, you to increase the level of enjoyment of his pleasure on your life so that you could create some, some decisions, some boundaries. And you keep some of those. Jesus operated this way. I love the way Jesus, they're trying to make him king He's by force, and he escapes. Remember that moment in John 19 where Pilate looks at Jesus, and he's asking him questions, and Jesus stays silent? So, so Pilate pours on the pressure. Don't you realize I have the power to have you crucified? John 19. And Jesus. I, I don't know exactly how this moment, but man, I play this one up in my head. Like this one is like straight out of Hollywood. Jesus looks back at Pilate and says, you would have no power over me unless I were given to you from my father. Unless I were given to you from above. You see it? Pilate's pressuring. Jesus goes, whoa, 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 whoa. And here he is, stripped naked, beaten, whipped, crown of thorns. I mean, standing, defying Roman authority. And Roman authority flexing their power. Don't you realize I have the power to have you killed? And there's something in Jesus that so knows and is connected with his eternal mission and who his father is. He goes, you ain't got no power over me unless I were given to you from above. Listen, we can get to a place where though they scream at you on TikTok, though they scream at you on the news channels or through commercials or on the radio, you can get to a place where you have less anxiety and worry and fear because they have no power on you. Because the smile of God, the delight of the Father, that's what you're living from and that's what you're looking forward to. Last one is this. Jesus focused on what had eternal value and not temporal value. Same area, John 14, look at this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. If we could get that, okay. Don't let your hearts be troubled. How do I do that? Believe in God, believe also in me, and then he goes to the future. And my father's house has many rooms. He starts looking towards the future, heaven. By the grace of God, 
you and I live a pretty prosperous life. My grandfather could see the kind of food that we eat and the transportation that we have and the buildings that we have and the way that we live right now. I think he'd be pretty, pretty blown away. If you get the privilege to go to other nations and you get to see some of the poverty and some of the, you would look at the, you would look at the prosperity and the abundance that we all live in by virtue of being here. And you would say, wow, I have much. Yet, no matter how good life can be in wealthy America, it can never deliver what heaven can. It will never be, there will always be trouble. So, so when we try to just get all of, all of our life on earth as amazing and wonderful and just get it all great, it can't deliver. It's a false peace. It's a false promise. So you want to shift and start to focus on what lasts for eternity instead of what's for time. And start to focus on, I'm going to put my eggs in that basket. I'm aiming for that. I'm going after what lasts for eternity. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 4, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what we see is, here's that word, temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. So I'm talking about percentage time, calendar time, on your task list. I'm talking about social media. I'm talking about when you start to shift and actually make your heart investment, your financial investment, your time investment in things that last for eternity, you will watch your anxiety go down. Why? Because you're connected to something that has a guarantee. You're connected to something that lasts forever. There's more ROI. <laughs> I mean, if you, when you invest in the things that are, so take this to your parenting. One of the things I'm convinced of is that we have decided for the most part, in Christianity in America, hey, we are going to parent like the world parents. And we're going to add a little bit of Jesus. It's like frosting, just a little bit. Then we're fundamentally devastated when our kids follow Jesus as long as they're in the house. But maybe in those early 20s, they gone. I want to tell you, pull back, reorient, and think. Live on mission with your kids, helping them care for what lasts for eternity. Actually put them in a place of ministry. Actually get them in where they're starting to think this is what lasts forever. Instead of the culture that says what matters is your child's happiness. And you will watch your children live in a culture that says it's all about them. You may, they start to live for Jesus and pour out their lives for other people. And just like it works for you, it works for them. So our temptation, though, is to just live constantly focused on what works for me. How can I make my life better? But if you'll seek first again, that's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first again. In the midst of all that, that whole Sermon on the Mount. And he says, why do you worry about today? Why do you worry about tomorrow? Food, clothes, uh, you know, seek first the kingdom. And then it's just this crazy phrase. We don't like you know, this because we, you know, it's, 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 it, we don't want to make promises and have people do it for the wrong reason. But I just want to tell you, seek first the kingdom. 
that and all these things. And all these things will be added unto you. He's talking about food and clothing the birds of the air. And I'm just surprised in my lifetime. I am surprised by how much I see people who for decades put God first in their finance. And instead of using all the money for themselves and their boat and their cabin and their life and their thing, they said, oh, we might have some of those things, but man, we care about the things of the kingdom. Their time, their energy, their serving. Seek first the kingdom. I'm just surprised how often I've seen those people grow into being 75-year-olds with a smile, a delight, a mission, a purpose, some joy, and God's taking care of them all the way. And how often I've seen the people say, seek self first. And by 75, they're mean, they're angry at somebody because somebody didn't deliver. False peace. They hug onto a leg, a father that could not deliver because it wasn't a real father. It, it, I mean, I'm just, I'm just old enough where I'm saying this with confidence because I've been a researcher for years and I believe this in my bones. I've just watched, I'm watching my, my friends be the old guys now. They're getting mean and mad. They're, they're only 45 and they're grumps. Because they've got a false peace. I'm, I'm, I'm watching them on Facebook and I'm like, dear me, what happened to you? I'll tell you what happened. Instead of over time being transformed into the image of Christ and finding peace and life and joy from God, put their peace in something else. And here's what I'm after today. I'm after you getting the peace of Jesus. You might be going through the hardest circumstance, but it's his peace. And you get, I mean, just based upon what Jesus says, my peace I give you, it's available to you. Don't go without it. Don't live your life without the peace of Jesus. Don't, don't miss this. I'll just close with this. Ben, you can come on out because I'm only halfway through my outline today because we've got, we got celebrations and salvations and so many things to celebrate. I'm not going to get through the whole thing today. But uh, I don't know what it's like if your family goes through the drive-thru. My family goes a little too often, but um, Renata and I have different responses at the drive-thru. We have a, whether it's the minivan or the SUV, six people in the car. And for me, I'm like, I'm, I'm party guy. Like, I'm like, as soon as we go to get the food, I just take whatever the people give me and I just smile and say, thanks, have a great day. I don't even, I might not even get all the bags. Like, I have no, the details of it. I actually just noticed the person, you know, and like, and I'm thinking about what song we're playing and, and you know, like where we're going. I, I, the, the details of the food are difficult for me. Renata, on the other hand, is meticulous, detailed, organized, and intelligent. And what Renata does is she says, wait, well, she's going to dig through the whole bag to make sure that all the kids' food is there and every fry is there and the drinks are right, right? So that we don't leave without what we paid for, right? Because she's used to a husband who for years, just drove off. And, and then I was never the one, the one to go back. I'm like, ah, oh, that's fine. Let's just go. <laughs> but Renata's going to make sure we get what we paid for. So let Renata be the preacher today. Because I want to make sure you get what Jesus paid for. 
went to a cross so that his people could walk in peace in the midst of pain and heartache. And we walk around as anxious as anybody else. In the midst of your trial, in the midst of your storm, in the midst of what you're walking through, you don't have to live by what the false peace that the world gives. You can walk with the peace that makes no sense. Will you stand with me and let's pray together? Today, if Thomas' story is your story, you would say, I'm living with anxiety and fear. And I want the peace that comes from Christ. And just like Thomas, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to invite every, every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you today, we just lift your hand high. Say, I'm going to choose Jesus today. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, save me. Change me. Give me your peace. Heal me. Give me strength. Your strength. I give you my life. Today, if you're in the room, and you would like to receive peace from God. You're living in a hard circumstance. And today this message has touched you and you're going, I want that. I want the peace that comes from God. We just raise your hand. Let's just pray together. Father, I ask for every hand raised for the peace of God that passes all understanding. Give strength in the storm, peace through the and the pressures of this life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we want to go on that journey with you. We love you and we're committed to you. And I'd like to invite you to take that connection card and just let us know that you made a decision to follow Jesus. Email us or fill this card out and then drop it off in the offering bucket in just a moment. I want to invite our prayer team to come forward. and I just want to thank everybody. Um, switch gears and just go from Renata and me, just our gratitude for the way that you have sacrificially, generously given to get to this point with the building. Um, personally, I'm blown away by the fun that it's been, like the smiles that you've given me when I've said thank you and you've said, oh, this is, our, this is fun. This is our delight. That has been so enjoyable and surprising. And just the, the Godwardness, the godliness, the, just, just the joy of this together. And I just want to, I want to pray in our offering moment for this building. I just want to pray that prayer that Will prayed a little phrase he said in that prayer, but I just want to believe God for a church building filled with prayer, filled with people coming to know Jesus. Let those Thomases, let those, those, let those prodigals come home. 
Let this house be a place filled with people broken, weak, filled with anxiety to find new life in Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask, Lord, that you would use your church, the church of Jesus Christ, that meets in church buildings all across Kansas City. And there's different people and different ways they gather, different places and geographical locations, buildings. And God, with this house, we pray for a radiant church. I ask, Lord God, that you would give us this space. And I ask, Lord God, that for generations to come, the prodigals would come home. I pray that homecoming would be our story. I pray our story would be God welcoming his lost children home. Do it in our church in ways that we could never imagine. Uptick it, accelerate it. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now take what we give. We give sacrificially, cheerfully, generously. In Jesus' name.